Hi, this is Vadim from Boss Fighters, the first web free game that let VR players play alongside and against PC players. And I'm here on the Edge of NFT, the podcast that brings you the best new tech in VR, PC, web free, and beyond. Keep listening. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Boss Fighters is using a unique combo of VR and PC based competition to inspire all sorts of blockchain antics. And also find out what might be the key to mainstream adoption of NFT-based gaming. And learn how this guest's prized possession involves a very special sense of community. All this and more in today's episode. Enjoy. And don't forget, we put together a little soiree called NFTLA just a few months back. It brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to 2023.nftla.live to get on the whitelist for tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored Spotlight episode features Vadim Shevchuk, the CEO of Boss Fighters, the world's first VR versus PC competitive action game with digital NFT assets. Adim is an experienced studio head, entrepreneur, software, and game producer. Besides his duties as CEO, Adim is the creative director at Boss Fighters. He has been working in CG and game development for almost 10 years and began his career as a 3D artist, including experience as a VFX artist, 3D animator, 3D generalist, and product director. Boss Fighters is a unique multiplayer action game where VR players embody a powerful boss monster fighting a team of PC players in intense, fast-paced battles. Players enter the arena to become futuristic superstar gladiators that battle as boss or fighter and win valuable items, skins, and other rewards stored on the blockchain and tradable on the marketplace. Vadim, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's really great to have you here. Thank you, guys. Really glad to be here. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, it's an honor, man. And especially in these times where people want to focus on the markets and everything, we prefer to focus on real innovation, which is what you're doing with Boss Fighters. And it sounds like a ton of fun. We'll dive in deeper. But just first, where did this idea come from and how did you decide to bring it to light? Well, the idea originates from our experience as developers. I run a company that develops VR applications, professional business applications like simulations. And that's where my obsession with VR started like six years ago when I got my first VR headset. And so the instant I put on my VR headset, I understood that I have to make the game in VR. It has to be something special because it just opens up so many opportunities, creative opportunities for a game developer. There's so much uncharted territory in this game design space. So yeah, it's been a long way. Right now we're here making boss fighters because we decided like, to bring the innovation to Web3. So the idea comes from 
multiple experience that we have as a team, like a game developers, a VR developers, and I myself has like experience as a producer and a, on a blockchain project. So we put everything together. And uh, yeah, it's basically our dream project that we team of fanatics that are trying to build this unique stuff. Vadim, totally appreciate how powerful the use of AR can be if applied in a creative way that's like engaging, right? Like, I think a lot of people have tried to do things with AR for a long time, and some of it catches on and some of it doesn't. And the key is that nuance, the execution and being so thoughtful. And it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into what you've created here that we're going to talk about. Exactly. And we studied the data, the user survey for VR users. We learned that the major roadblock is lack of engaging experience. So that's what's stopping the platform from rapid development we deserves. And yeah, developing for VR is way harder, but it is way more fun. It's basically interacting with your whole body. And it's not like interacting with a controller or keyboard or mouse or something like that. So you need to keep this in mind. And this is where our experience with professional simulations helped us a lot because you're dealing with like total newbies and you need to develop this experience in a flawless manner. So like anyone can use this simulation program, like total newbies. Very cool. All right, man. I was looking into that, to the game over through the site and stuff. It really looks pretty unique, especially we were talking about a little bit before the program, this kind of like some people are on PC, some people are playing through VR. Talk to us about the overall features and utility for the project. And I guess the community members are doing some cool stuff as well. We have this flagship game mod, which essentially a face-off in a VR boss, a new type of boss fight. So we are familiar to the boss fights that are bosses are controlled by AI and you basically pour down DPS in the bosses. They all repeat the same patterns. We want to break this. And because it is a competitive and multiplayer game, the VR player actually embodies this boss. So this creates a lot of replayability. And replayability, this is one of the main features for the long-lasting life of the project. And overall, we have like a set of features that we believe will make this project stand out. So as you see, it is this gladiator-style arena. And we want to push heavily on the side like of the gaming show. So we have the special feature, what we call watch turn. Essentially, it is a cooperation between spectators and players. We'll talk about this later if you wish. We have obviously an asymmetric aspect where we can match VR players, flat screen players in different proportions. We can have like exclusive flat screen player mods to expand our player base. We can have exclusive VR player mods, like a fitness VR stuff. Even, and we think of this integrate what is really popular right now, what is called move turn, but integrate it in a smart way. So without like any poncinomics scheme, just people already like doing fitness in VR, the whole market emerged when Oculus released all the fitness apps. So why don't you play this active game? Because it is an active game where you crush stuff with pro, you with your arms in a physical environment. So why don't integrate like small rewards for this VR players? Another big feature that's also in development is user-generated content, which is really important for the community. So we use the tools to create the game, like a map editor, the special tools for creating like in-game assets. Once we publish them, we can release the tools for the community. So the community can start building up and they can monetize their creations. So there's a plethora of options that are on the table for boss fighters. But the flagship feature is this cool competition between 
the cross-reality battles, essentially, so between mm. VR and flat screen. That's cool. Yeah. Well, let's dig in on that piece a little bit more, man. Like, that's, like, where this crux is, right? That's the distinctive thing we're talking about here. So tell us a little bit more about that, man. Like, how does this work? Why is this so important to you as founders of Boss Fighters? Well, it's important for several reasons. So there are like game design reasons why we want to do this. There are like just pure business reasons why it is important to do like asymmetric style and mix these communities together. So let's start from the business standpoint. Why it's important to create the asymmetric VR game right now? Why we believe it is a way to go. So we know that VR market although the community are is really engaged so they play games constantly but it's tiny in comparison to like mobile phones we have like a bit more than 20 million vr devices out there 25 million 80% of the market is controlled by the meta so as i said in comparison to mobile market it's small even to pc or consoles it's small on the other hand these vr players they really like the games they play because there are not a lot of game vr games out there and quality games are constantly bringing attention so you need to make a game design solution to bring new members to this game so why don't create this asymmetric multiplayer competition there is a whole lot of unexplored features in this asymmetric genre we know really cool examples of games that explore these features like Dead by Daylight and others, other titles are really popular. So why don't we do this in VR? It's such an interesting feature to explore. And I think if, if done properly, and what I mean by that is done in a form of action game, and action games are the most popular titles in VR. That's why I'm a bit skeptical about like the whole stuff in VR, like Metaverse, so you just walk there and observe something passively it's not how VR users use their VR headset. They actually play action games. So this is like from the business standpoint, it's an important feature. And from gameplay perspective, as I mentioned, it's really interesting to explore what we can do. We're excited to release our alpha and get the feedback from the community. It's like we're not trying to replicate somebody. We're just trying to pave our way So in this uncharted territory. So as a creative director, as a game designer, it's so exciting for me to do stuff and try to put it in front of the public and see what they'll say about the project. Yeah, dude. And let me clarify real quick. Like, So if I'm on uh, PC side or the VR side, can players be on the same team, if you will, if they're actually working off of one platform versus another, like VR plus a PC player, can they be operating as bosses in the game? Or like, how does that interplay work there? Yeah, the main game mode right now is like VR player embodies the boss. So that's the whole point. We don't want to move away from this. So we don't want to allow PC players control the boss because the whole gameplay of the boss is centered around physical interaction. So that's how right. VR works. You basically grab stuff, you pull yourself towards environments, you can use weapons, you tear down buildings, this whole this mayhem. And on the other hand, fighters, which are flat screen players, they have to cooperate. They have to play as a team to take down this boss because it's a dangerous big monster, basically. It's with weapons, it can just throw you through the building. Right, right. Yeah, so a big forcing function just based on the structure of the game as yeah. far as how people team up or not and what their roles are. Very cool. Yeah, I can think of like how all the CrossFitters, it's a big thing in the U.S., how they could get really into this game 
and they're starting to lug like folders around while they're playing the game. And there could be some viral meme videos going on there for sure. Hopefully people choose things to hold that aren't too dangerous as they're playing this game if they want to simulate that part of it. You know, we started to talk about the watch to earn mechanic. And I want to sort of go into more detail there because like Splinterlands, like Axie Infinity, like each of these projects has really pioneered a new type of tokenomics and mechanism for doing that. And you mentioned this is new and unprecedented. What are the details there and how did you come up with the approach that you're taking? Well, there was a long brainstorming process in trying to answer the question, how do we bring more players, more users to our ecosystem? Because we have a limited VR players, we have a bigger portion of those flat screen players. How do we bring more users to the ecosystem? So we need to make something up with the streaming. So because it is a gladiators show, futuristic gladiators, like Coliseum 2.0, the future. So why don't we create a building game feature where spectators watching it on Twitch or other streaming services can directly participate in the battles in some way. Like the current iteration of the system that we're developing essentially works like this. So it is a cooperation between players who can be streamers and spectators. So a player can use in our own backend platform. So obviously we're not building like a Twitch, anything like that. We just use the credentials so we can link the, your account. So if you're logged in out in our system and you start streaming, a battle, we can track how many spectators you get on your stream. And depending on this metrics, we can increase rewards for VR players or just for players. So you get these rewards after the battle, like some weapons or cosmetic items you can get you better rewards if you get more spectators. On the other hand, spectators, this is more like focused web free focus stuff. So this is for aimed at the users who cannot play the game for some reason or just don't want to play the game but still want to participate. So they get like special on-chain assets, what we call tickets. And then before watching these streams, so the more streams you watch, the more tickets you get, and then you can spend these tickets. So you can spend them on multiple ways. So you can spend them on the marketplace, like get discounts in game marketplace. You can get like special assets that are only available for spectators and thus creating like this cooperation between players and spectators. So you're a spectator, you get a special reward, for participating as a spectator and you can listen on a marketplace and yeah it's the only way to obtain this reward but the cool stuff behind this twitch api and all streaming apis and we can actually create an interactive game mode and we call them like mini bets mini challenges and intervention game modes intervention it's like 100 games so you type chat commands the spectators type in chat commands and a crate with a weapon drops in the arena and a crate with, with some rewards drops on the arena and mini challenges, it's more like a fun mini challenge. So a challenge randomly appears during the battle and nobody knows what the challenge will be. It's just a random generated system. And the challenges might be like that. So you use your tickets as a spectator to bet something like that. Uh, can the boss destroy three buildings in the next 60 seconds? Or can the boss toss 50 times players through the window during this battle? And nobody knows what the challenge will be. And if you're spectating, you can participate. If you win, you win something like some valuable rewards. The system is aimed at like bringing more users. And essentially, we want to build up this maybe advertising because we have these big screens on the arena, product placement, the opportunities endless here. Yeah, my favorite thing that you mentioned was the ability of the spectators to kind of make 
things drop into the scene and you're almost like the gods, right? Like in the Greek mythology, kind of playing around with the mortals. And it also reminds me, I think I've even mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast before of this story of this, it was an NHL hockey league thing where they let the fans vote on the all-star team. And of course the fans kind of played around with it and they voted this underdog guy who was just kind of clunky and not the best player, but they wanted to see him on the all-star squad. So they put him there. So I love that. I hope you get to do more of that. Right now, we put some time in for a view, like a little demo view. So I'm going to pull up a video and we'll check that out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm pulling that up too. I just have to say that there's really something special about that engagement that you get out of, you know, people putting something on the line, like either earning based on a bet that they make, putting tokens on the line, money on the line, the reputation on the line for an outcome, right? There's something in there around gamification around fantasy sports, around betting, around even the idea of having actually control of the outcome, like fan control football, who is a group of colleagues of ours. There's something really special in there. And I think we're barely scratching the surface on that stuff, that level of engagement. So really excited to hear more about how that goes. Yeah. We need to get our buds at FCF to help us make a fan controlled podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we're working yeah, on, isn't yeah. it? That's kind of is, isn't it? Oh, that'd be yeah. fun. All right. Let's hit this preview. There we go. All right. And well, uh, Vadim and everybody, feel free to talk it through for the podcast listeners so they can get a sense of what we're looking at. Here we go. We looked at like gladiator arena type thing. That's what it looks like. It's kind of like an in the round battle. Yeah. And there's like a robotic, I think that's the main boss, right? Yeah. That's like the generic boss avatar, but we'll have different boss avatars. So a robust customization system. Literally wreaking havoc. Yeah. Whipping the other players around. <laughs> that looks fun. Yeah, I mean, the fighters have a lot of maneuverability, like with the angles and directions of their limbs and like what they're doing and how they're moving. It's a very experiential thing that's going on there. Yeah, especially as I said, I think that you mentioned earlier, and I think it sounds especially fun for the VR players to like just have that feeling of being this all powerful (laughs) and then to know that they're actual real, not real people, but real players that are kind of having fun with that whole dynamic. I love it. Yeah, there's always someone that comes to mind that you want to toss around if you're having a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, actually, that reminds me, like, Josh, you used to actually play a lot of games, right? I do remember back in the day, Uh, we don't even talk about you as a gamer in any context. What did you used to play? What was your go-to back in the day? It was like 15 years ago, I think, right? Way, way before that. So I had a convo with someone recently about this, and we bonded over the fact that our favorite game growing up was Mortal Kombat. And, you know, I was actually the Mortal Kombat champion at my local arcade that used to, like, hook me up with, like, $10 a quarters every so often because I was on the top of the big board. But, you know, there's definitely constraints in terms of gameplay that back then that just don't exist today. And... There's like this really delicate balance between making it fun and innovative for each character, making the characters not be too strong against each other overall, and also giving characters some unique moves that makes it fun. Like the competition and the innovation in the industry has just come such a long way. I can just imagine my 12-year-old version myself like loving this game. We'd have you probably on the podcast, Josh, if you were still 12. Maybe it'd show up for Hot Topic. It is interesting. Wait, we're not yeah. getting the 12-year-old version of Josh every day? I kind of... 
something <laughs> like that. Something like that. No, there's actually a great movie called, isn't it? The King of Kong, uh, Fistful of Quarters, that which you remind me of. Movie. So yeah. good. It really does. It goes back. I mean, that's like the beginning of video game competitions and just the genesis of a lot about what we're talking about here. And, and what's interesting is something we hear about often is the divide between traditional gaming and blockchain gaming. Hey, we're curious as to your thoughts on how Web3 gaming and blockchain plays a role in the overall gaming architecture of the world. Like, What's your view on that? Well, I think, to be honest, it's a bit unfortunate a time for blockchain game. It's maybe a bit early because of what titles emerged like this year or last year, because they mostly focused on the earn side. So this play to earn, it became like the dominant thing in the space. And that basically what pushed most of the gamers away from this whole narrative, because there were not a lot of gameplay depth in these games. And what do gamers want to do? They want to play quality games. So they're not concerned a lot of like the earning aspects or like something like that. They just want quality games that are fun to play. And that's what the next step in blockchain gaming. And blockchain is just a tool. It's just a tool to bring ownership of these assets, digital assets that are players all over the world spending millions of dollars basically every day. So just read it a day before, like news about Diablo Immortal with their all like monetization practice, like they're doing like $10 million a day, something like that. So people are spending money like crazy on games, but they don't get anything in return. So they get fun, but they cannot do anything with these assets. So all relying on the platform, basically. And there is no interoperability. That's the problem also blockchain can solve. And I think the next blockchain gaming is just a natural state of development of gaming industry. So once big gaming companies realize that there's like a whole, and we already see this, like a lot of big names are coming into the industry, but just making games, it's hard. It takes time. So you need time to make quality games. Once quality games start to emerge, we'll see a surge of this, lots of quality games and players, normal Web2 gamers will start to gravitate to like blockchain game because Essentially, it's just a tool to give ownership of the assets and it has to be done properly and in the ways like where it makes sense. So it doesn't make sense to try to create another X infinity because it's just not sustainable. You don't need to invent a wheel again. So you just need to do like normal stuff, what the normal gaming industry does, but give more tools to the community, to the players and be more community centered. And that's what community wants. So once people see that there are real actual interesting and fun games to play and on top of that you get something in return so you're not only pouring money into the game but you have at least an option to list this asset on the marketplace and somebody else can be interested in that and yeah that's when we see like the shift so we're still a few years from the moment of this big shift but i think in five seven years the industry will switch gears towards blockchain gaming so many nuggets and what you just shared that I don't think get discussed enough. Really appreciate your perspective there and would love to understand with that sort of perspective in mind, what's on your roadmap for boss fighters? Well, as I mentioned, we're not trying to like in terms of gameplay, we're trying to invent something new. But in terms of asset ownership, we just want to because we like betting on things that are yet to become popular like VR and blockchain stuff. So it makes sense for us to think in advance and to include this like blockchain tools into the game. So we have actually just today, we had a call with our game design team about the system, 
how can we create a non-artificial looking system, how to gently nudge those general gamers towards like adopting crypto. And I think the way to do this is you don't need to force them into crypto. Like, first of all, you need to have a cool gameplay experience. So they will just enjoy playing the game. And how we envision in our game, it's loaded because these are gladiators. They do not own the stuff like in ancient Rome, they were essentially slaves. So why don't we do the same stuff? But to own something, you like earn these special points, these prestige rewards, and then you spend them essentially to mint asset, to mint your reward as an NFT, and it stores forever then. But if you don't store it, we'll have a seasonal system and we'll do wipes each season. So you can only store something in your inventory that was minted as NFTs. We're not like forcing, you still get the option to play with all this stuff during the season. But if you want to hold on it later or monetize your success, like list on a marketplace, then you need to mint it as an NFT. But it won't like sound as a button, like, hey, mint NFT, link a wallet. So we need to make it as user-friendly as possible for like normal gamers. That's the way to go, I think. Love those insights. Before we end this segment, we always like to get some kind of general perspectives from our guests. Want to know what are some of the other interesting projects that you're seeing out there, I suppose, especially in metaverse and gaming and VR stuff. What are you inspired by? Well, I'm really excited what Gala Games is trying to do. So this like ecosystem for blockchain game, essentially. Myria is trying to do the same thing. And they have really big names in the space. Guys from Rockstar, Ubisoft, Activision, Blizzard. So we see that really big names are coming into the industry. I think Gala Games, they onboarded some teams that worked on Witcher, Sirius, Call of Duty. So in a few years, it will be like a blast. So there will be such a quality stream of games coming towards like the community of like normal and blockchain gamers. So I really like what they're trying to do. They're trying to create an ecosystem for developers like us to succeed, basically. So they're building communities, they're building tools for gamers, and they all understand that you need to as friendly as possible for Web2 gamers to make it successful. So you cannot make a game and play with your 10,000 players. So you need to constantly grow your player base and have like this slide in our infographics, like one single game on Steam, free-to-play title at the lab. Essentially, it's a physics set of mini games, physics mini games. It has almost as many users as the whole blockchain gaming industry has. So one single VR game on Steam. So we're super tiny in the blockchain space right now. And yeah, I'm really happy that these big guys are joining the industry, joining the right, and they will be leading the way. Does that make it hard to make a sustainable, profitable game? Does it make it more difficult? Or can you do that with a smaller subset of users? I don't think it's possible. It's not how games work in general. So if your game does not get a constant influx of fresh installs, what we call it like in game design, or users essentially, the game dies off. That happens just the law of game design. So you need to expand. So you can only get so much with the current community. Either you go like a multi-chain and bring users from other chains, or the better way, as I see it, is to make it as friendly as possible for general gaming audience, for like normal gamers. Just make a fun game, make it usable with fiat payments, credit card payments, and then introduce an option to use like tokens. Maybe it's cheaper to use tokens in the game. Like you have a battle pass for $20.99 when you pay with credit card, or you can get the same amount of value when you pay like nine bucks, 90 cents, but in tokens, something like that. So there are options that we can use here. 
Well, we are excited for the future. I think we'll just have to be patient, right, to get to that level of gameplay that we see in non-blockchain games. But I do think that there will be an inflection point in our near future, and it's going to be exciting to watch when we hit that. So, well, dude, look, thank you so much for sharing all those details. We'll keep a really close eye on you and the game and everything you guys are working on. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. We wanted to take a step back, though, and shift gears a smidge and ask you some questions that we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's a segment that we use to get to know you a little bit better, and there's 10 questions. We're looking for short, single word or few word answers, but we may dive in a little deeper here or there. Are you ready to get in on this? All right, let's do this. All right, brother, here we go. Question one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? I think that was a gaming laptop. I was preparing to play Fallout 3. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Very appropriate. Very much so. Question number two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Oh, selling. Maybe a big selling was a car when I sold a car, but don't remember selling like small stuff. Yeah, probably the car. It was like the big pile of cash you get it. <laughs> I can imagine, man. That's solid. Question three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? A good, creepy yoga mat. Nice. Nice, man. Are you a yoga practitioner? You do a lot of yoga? Yeah, I started doing yoga when the COVID pandemic, when you're locked down, you need to maintain your physical fitness. And I found that yoga really fits me well. It's a really cool practice. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, man. And it takes that consistency and commitment, right? To really get to a nice, stable place with it. Very cool. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? I sold my PS4 because I bought PS5. (laughs) i'm detecting a theme here man like is there a gaming theme in your life i don't know what it possibly could be (laughs) question number five what is your most prized possession well i hold on some valuable nfts but 
I think the most valuable asset I have is the team I work with. So that's what I value most, the people I work with. And they're supporting me. They are sharing vision and having fun developing this project and working together for many years. Yeah, man. It's special when you got the right team and the right people you enjoy working with on these challenging problems, right? You guys are really working on some crazy stuff right now. So Jeff's yeah. reminiscing to time, better times when he had better team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I really got, I could have really gotten after you guys with that response. <laughs> couldn't I? Yeah. It would have been great. I totally feel you. Those times when I used to have a great team. So anyway, question six, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? Never give up. Persistence, never give up. Continue working on your dreams, building, and don't let the world upset you too much. Just never give up. Yeah, man. It's hard coming out of the previous crypto winter, right? And then now experiencing this volatility that we're seeing right now. It's such an important message, especially when you look at the future and of Web3 and what's possible, man. Like remembering that, stay the course, you won't regret it. This is when real value is created for the future. So yeah, I love that. My niece, long time ago, and she was a little, she asked her mom if dreams really do come true. And her mom said, yeah, sometimes. And then she said, well, last night I dreamed I was a lemur. <laughs> I'm really hoping it actually comes true. <laughs> and a comedian. So question number seven, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Probably procrastination sometimes. So I sometimes find myself playing too much of a game until I really hate it. Then I can safely get away from it and start doing something important. <laughs> but, but it's kind of a mind bender because for you, playing the game is actually like on the job research, right? Right, right. But uh, sometimes I kind of stop for a long time. So I play excessive amount of time, but it happens rarely on rare occasions. But yeah, still, I feel like guilty a bit <laughs> at this time. I know the feeling, brother. All right. Question <laughs> number eight. So if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Well, that's a really difficult question. So I think health is the most important thing. So I would buy something related to the healthcare. I'm really into like supplements, uh, health protocols and all this stuff because I really value the health condition, it really determines your mood. It really determines your productivity. So you need to like have this balance. Relationships, your health, your work, everything has to be in balance so you can pursue your long-term goals, like building like crazy projects. So that's, I think, important thing that I would buy. Yeah, hard to deny that. I know it's something we all struggle with, especially when things get a little out of whack in terms of balance. You know, you get busy, you go heads down, right? So let's move on a little easier. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Yeah, actually, I was listening to Andrew Huberman podcast. I think this podcast is really okay. amazing content, health-related content. Enjoy every single episode of what Andrew is doing. Nice. Nice, man. Just want to know why you probably should have been listening to the Edge of NFT podcast, but we'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got some great content from We had a lot of wellness-related things here, right? Yeah. All right, man. Last one. Question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Well, I'll probably go to hit a bed because it's uh, quite late at my location right now because I'm in Europe and it's already like 11 p.m. And uh, wellness requires a proper sleep. <laughs> right on, bro. Right on. Well, hey, look, man, we really appreciate you. That's quick hitters for today. Thanks so much for playing along. Ethan, shall we move along to our next segment? What do you say? All right. So on to hot topics. Today's sponsored hot topic is 
all about this thing called Off Simpson and its founder, Ebo. He's a pretty ambitious young, I think he's like just 12 or 13 year old here. And he says he's generated quite a bit from his activities here in NFTs. And he's a big fan of the show and he reached out to us and we thought, hey, let's bring him on and say hi. So do you prefer to go by Ebo or Omar? I see your names, Omar and Ebo. Anything you like. Ebo. But we should go right by Ebo. All right. Welcome to Edge of NFT, sir. Tell us where you're calling in from. I'm calling in from Egypt. Well, Ebo, let's just start by learning more about what got you into this space and how you generated some of your first sales in this space. And then we'll move on to what you're doing next. And just excited to learn more about what inspired you and how it's changed your life. The beginning guy was the age of nine and I just was seeing my dad's phone and I saw that guy the name Elon Musk. I pretty felt that we have similarities too much. Like he's got Asperger syndrome, me as well. I kinda like everyone that looks like me, so I saw at that time he was like thirty billion dollars, that was his net worth, and that was before he pops up. That was way like when I was nine. Then I decided to learn about video gaming and make my first game to try to sell it. And to be honest, I don't think I'll be like Elon Musk. Elon Musk is just an early access of me. So you made a video game and you sold it. How did that come to be? Did you have some friends to learn about it? or I did have friends at the beginning. They started learning with me. But by time, they decided to just leave because they thought it's a waste of time. I see it's the best move I've ever done in my life. Yeah, so we were just talking with Vadim about how much time and effort goes into creating a video game. Maybe you got a potential mentor here on the show with us. Vadim, what's your sort of advice to an up-and-coming video game designer? Any thoughts or questions for our friend Ebo? I was wondering what kind of video game it was. Open world. I just did the map. I didn't do any programming or stories or anything in the game. I just did the map. I did a few houses. I did the road. That's all I could do. I quite saw it somebody. I don't know if he's going to make a video game, if he's going to keep it. I don't know. It's not mine now. Yeah, man. Well, it's amazing to have done that and to be introduced to this space at such a young age. And there's so much potential here. And you're off and running on your next project already off Simpson. Tell us a little bit about it, man. Like, what's the story there? What kind of utility can we expect? It sounds like really fun. Off Simpsons, I first made my NFTs during Photoshop. And I also learned how Photoshop. Then by the time I learned what does blockchain mean, what does a DeFi mean, and even I tell my family that when Bitcoin will rise, I tell them it will rise. I can't predict the stock market and the cryptocurrencies, but I can't buy any of them because I didn't have a credit card. But then I started learning about NFTs because I thought it was fun. I saw Bored Apes at the beginning of 2021. I told my dad I would wish to buy a Bored Ape. And then he told me, you can just screenshot it. I told him, no, that's not how it works. I don't want a profile picture. I just want the data on the computer to be mine, <laughs> to be in my name. And he told me it was a few bucks that by that time, like it didn't have as much value as it was. But I liked NFTs. I liked the idea. And then I told him when it popped up, he told me, are you sure it's not a scam? I told him it's for millions now. Then I thought like, I need to move on. I don't have a credit card, so I have to play with the cards I have. I don't have a credit card. I'm young, so I just have to use a man mask or a cryptocurrency wallet. And that's what I used to make money. And even a couple of sales was higher than the one that sold to me. But the only thing that I needed was the money to come in a crypto wallet. 
not credit card or PayPal because I don't have the access to these things. Still, I don't. But I have to work with the cards I have. And I'm just not laying on bed waiting for money to come. No, I've been like 1.5 years making zero. And for every day, staying nine hours straight, programming, learning, everything. And to be honest, I don't like Elon Musk as much as earlier. Well, tell us a little bit about the next project. How many NFTs are you creating and what people get when they buy one of your NFTs? When they buy one of uh, my NFTs, I give them my predictions. I even started giving them my predictions to make them sure that I can predict. I told them once the NFTs are released, I won't download or upload any uh, predictions. So now people are buying. I'm thinking if that project went so big, I would have control on cryptocurrencies. If I say it's going up, it's going up, even if I have no proof. Like I say now, because I see an upward flag, I see a double bottom. But when I have like a couple of hundred thousand people following what I say, I'll have control. And that'll make me too much money. I'll be (laughs) honest, I want to buy my map back again so I can continue my own game. Looks like it didn't upload any game till now, but I want to buy my map again. That's really cool, man. And definitely that's a great use case for a utility in terms of this membership or access as we like to talk about it. There's one more thing I want to cover before we have to wrap up with Vadim. When we were doing the pre-interview for the show, you talked to me a little bit about why you wanted to be on Edge of NFT and what NFTs have done in terms of the financial impact on your life, even though the market goes up, goes down. Talk to us a little bit about how that's impacted your life. Nothing new, can't get my money. But I'm happy because the price of the dollar to the EGP is now rising every day. So that makes me happy. I'm gonna be rich here. And to be honest, I wanna move to the US. Brother, we would love to have you out, man. You know, have you out at NFTLA next year in March. You do make it out this way. Or if we're traveling internationally and we find a way to connect, Love your passion, man. Love your vision. So much room to grow. Obviously, you're about as early into this space as you could possibly be, given your age and background, man. And you're doing fun things. So thanks for coming on and sharing with us. This is exciting stuff. So let me ask you, man, we talked about doing like a little giveaway for our listeners, 30 NFTs. Like, what's the story there, man? What should we get our listeners excited about? To be honest, I like giving out NFTs because If I give out the three NFTs and the buyers come and 30 owners, now they're going to be more interested to buy. Absolutely. No, I think it's great, man. So keep an eye out on our socials. We'll give you some information on that giveaway. Also, where should folks go to learn about what you're working on? Do you have any place where you're posting this stuff, like on socials that people should follow you? Yeah, pretty sure Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, we've made 100 and 500 followers. And on Twitter, I just made 40. I don't know why the reason of Instagram making more, much followers, more than Twitter. But I realized that Twitter people suck. We'll try to get you some more followers, Omar. We'll see what we can do. Okay. Hey, brother, what's your handle on social? Just off Simpsons, but replace the O with a zero. Okay, there it is, guys. So take a look at it. Dude, thank you so much for joining us. It was really fun. Kudos to everything you've done. And we'll be watching really closely. We see big things in store for you. So thanks for joining us, brother. You're welcome. We appreciate you, man. Talk soon. (laughs) That was interesting. (laughs) Right? I mean, 13, like everything he's thinking about and doing, I mean, his perspectives. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Hey, he's got opinions and he's got conviction and he's being very entrepreneurial and it's pretty exciting. And and I will say like, 
when we talked previously, he did share that this has had a profound impact on his life around how he looks at like what he wants to do with his life, how he relates to opportunities in Egypt. Like he's ready to leave and he's really fired up by this industry. And we caught him on a different day and he was being a little bit more modest about that part of things, but certainly inspiring how passionate he is about the industry. But hey, Vadim, man, thank you so much for sharing everything with us about Boss Fighters, like your vision about it. And I think your perspective about what's important at the foundation is really critical and something that I think our listeners will really value right now, especially in these kind of wonky, volatile times, that long-term perspective and sharing that with us is so key. We appreciate it. Where folks go if they want to follow your journey? What's the best place for them to, to go to follow you on socials? The best place to follow Boss Fighters on Twitter and on Discord. On Discord, we have like vanity handle, basically discord.com slash boss fighters. We'll lead you up to the Boss Fighters Discord server. And on Twitter, it is Boss Fighters VR. There it is, guys. So thanks for that. And word on the street was we were going to do a little giveaway for Boss Fighters also. Can you give us details on the contents there? Yeah, I think uh, we're doing a giveaway with like five Boss Fighter Rowdy NFTs. These are from our Genesis collection, the characters, character avatars for the fighters. So they have like dope characters. They also have like additional utilities in game and off game. So they basically act as a keys to unlock different content that is yet to be released. So yeah, they're utility packed character avatars. Beautiful. Well, that sounds just as exciting as Ebo's utility around uh, predicting the market. Some may even find it more exciting. So thanks for that. So listeners, please keep an eye on our socials for details on how to score one of those Boss Fighter Rowdies. Really awesome. Thanks, man. Very grateful for that offering. All right, guys. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thank you for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. So thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective with deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.